Welcome to the Vitality Coach Podcast with me, your host, Nikki Fogden-Moore. Join me for celebrity interviews, behind-the-scenes training sessions, combined with practical advice on how you can feel fantastic. Tune in for easy-to-implement tips and tools on healthy food and fitness. Learn how to look and feel your personal best without turning your life upside down. Welcome to Feeling Fantastic. Hi guys, welcome back to the Vitality Coach podcast. I've had a long time between recordings and I know I keep saying this, but I've really wanted to shift my focus a little bit into creating an opportunity to talk about giving back. I think it's one of the six pillars of ultimate vitality is creating space in our lives to make sure that we're kind humans, no matter how successful we are, there's always room to do that. And interestingly enough, charity really starts at home. So today I want to share with you one of my raison d'etre behind getting involved with the Vinnie's CEO Sleepout, which is happening on the 22nd of June in Melbourne, Brisbane, and Sydney, and on the 27th in Adelaide in Australia. And I asked Vinny's marketing team if I could actually talk to someone to discuss why the sleep out with CEOs was building such momentum and who are we reaching? I know why I'm doing it, but thankfully they introduced me to an incredible respected author, social commentator, and someone who's lived through the experience herself. So I'd like to introduce <laughs> you to engage respected author and social commentator, Nikki Waters, as a media and event spokesperson for the 2017 Vinnie's CEO Sleeper. And it's no accident she's on this call today. We really had a discussion with the marketing team to maybe bring light to the fact that there's a lot going on in our own communities. And it's not just uh, the usual homeless people that we see walking past each day, that a lot of people are struggling with a shift and economic situation that's ending them up on the street. So Nikki, thank you very much for being on the show and giving me your time today. Uh, It's a real privilege to have you there. Oh, it's lovely to be able to talk to you and, and share my story. And I just want to give the listeners a little bit of scene setting. So you really provided a candid moment when you shared your time as a single mother and you went through poverty and homelessness, but perhaps in a way for a long time, you were unwilling to even talk about it and you didn't even know how to ask for help. So let's just talk a little bit about why you are getting involved with Vinnie's as a spokesperson and how your own personal experience has connected you with this charity that means so much on a personal level. Well, Vinnie's um, was there for me when I was at my absolute lowest. I was a a single mum with three little boys and I was living in a cockroach-infested hovel, really, which is all I could afford. And after I'd been sick for a while and all of us had been sick, I think it was some sort of stomach bug, I couldn't go and do the the jobs that I was doing, which was cleaning houses privately, and that was cash in the hand. And so I was absolutely broke. And then the electricity was cut off. And, you know, it's just one of those snapshot moments that I have where everything spoiled in the fridge. We had no food. I tried to make it a game with the children and said, this is like living in the olden days. And they thought it was a bit of a game and, and enjoyed it for the, that weekend. And by Monday, I was at my wit's end and, and really just so broken. And it was a friend of mine who saw that I had, there was a problem. You know, I, I kept saying, oh, no, there's a problem with the electricity. But she saw through it and she said, why don't you call Finney's and they will send someone around and talk to you. And two elderly gentlemen came to my door and I just burst into tears and told them the story. And they paid my electricity bill and gave me a food voucher and handed me $50 and said, get your little boy some fish and chip. And, you know, just to have these people, it still makes me tear up. Of course. Um, It was a turning point where I realized people, there are people out there that do care and that will help you. And it was just, that was my snapshot moment where I thought, you know, complete strangers I can reach out to and they can change my circumstances and get me back on my feet. Um, and that was just, can remember it as clear as if it was yesterday. 
And, you know, my life's changed so astronomically since that time, all those years ago, that every day I wake up and I look in the fridge and I am grateful that, you know, I have the life that I live now. But when you're feeling as hopeless and ashamed of your situation and so poor that you cannot see a way out or a light, a, a moment like that with Vinny's is something that I will never forget and yeah. that I will be forever grateful for, which is why I'm really thrilled to be able to be a spokesperson for them this year. And I think that one of the things that a lot of people talk about is stigma. So today on my Monday Mojo, I spoke about are you unfunkable, which is we seem to categorize people that can't help themselves or that we sort of dismiss a community aspect where if someone is not in a great situation, it could be their fault or it's a victim mentality. But, you know, you came from a really well-educated background. You wanted to be an actress. You did movies. You had, you know, a great fun marriage in the beginning and that all dissolved and people listening to that will go, well, that's no reason to end up where you were going hand to mouth for your children and in this situation. And I think sometimes life just can run away from you. And one poignant thing when I read your story was that you were taking your kids to a school, which was so very divided with the haves and the have nots mm. and that you felt you had to keep up appearances. So did it get to that stage because it was just this pride and not knowing how to actually ask for help? Because one of the things that you and I spoke about before we started recording and something we want to talk about on another episode is when you know someone's not okay and they say they're not okay, what do you do with that information? I think people don't know how to help. No, that's true. And and you're so right about the stigma. When I first, you know, before I'd actually rung Vinnie's and asked for help, um, I had actually, I think, earlier or previously been to, I think it was the local corner store and I didn't have enough money for the milk or bread and I asked them if I could have credit. They used to do things like that back in the day. But the fact that I didn't have enough for milk and bread, you know, I just will never forget those looks that you get, which is, are you a junkie? Are you, you know, mad? Or are you just a total loser? And and there was that feeling around my situation that there was judgment, you know, from people that did find out I was afraid that they would judge me and think that I had chosen this lifestyle for myself. And, and I say, nobody chooses that. It's circumstances and it can happen to anyone. I probably would not have been in that situation as long if I'd asked for help sooner. And certainly there was that element of pride, but it was all I had left. And, you know, I didn't want to completely lose face and have everyone judging me for that situation because people do, they still do. And I think that their way of, if they judge that you as you're there because it's your fault, then it can't happen to them. That concept, whereas if it could happen to anyone, then you know, it could happen to them. So if they look at someone and think, well, it was their bad choices, it, it keeps them at arm's length. And I don't think that's right because once you've been there, you realise that it's like being in a maze and you don't choose to be there. And when you're there, you don't know how to get out. And I think the other thing is uh, we've got, of course, some statistics and things, but you spoke about your role of finding the way next. So once Vinny's gave you that hand and they opened that door for you, you then still had to take people up on the offer and make a game plan. It wasn't as if that was over. That was just the beginning of the Oh, shift. no, that was just, that was just mm. the beginning. Mm. And then it became less of a dirty secret sort of thing that, yeah. I, that I was poor. And because they didn't have, there was no judgment at all with these people who give up their time for free and because they're the genuine real deal people and when they look at you with compassion and, and just understanding and at the time I remember the, the Vinnie's fellow said you're doing a good job and I just needed to hear that mm. 
that and I, I love want. that. I love the fact that we just don't tell people that you're doing great now because there's this a society of goal setting. There's a society of what I call generation exhibition. And mm. everyone's um, got things on the outside, but they're not taking care of the inside. And I always say with ultimate success is having your personal finances, your personal affairs in order, feeling supported, slowing down a little bit and making sure that you're practicing what you preach. And I think this is something that you've learned with the opportunity to rebuild your life and you're teaching mm. your son's confidence and accountability and responsibility. Mm. But how would you say that you communicate to other mothers and people during that process when you found your confidence to have a voice again? Well, that's it. When you look at at the situation of people being poor, you can see the externals and you can see they haven't got this and they haven't got much money for food and they can't afford new shoes for the children and things like that. But there's so much going on inside that you don't see. Yes. Um, how that poverty affects your self-esteem, your confidence, as you said, all of those things, it eats away at you so that you feel like an empty shell. And I think once you start being honest about it, you have to be honest with yourself. You say, this is where I'm at. But you, you start telling people like Vinny's, I need help. But they also can give you advice, yes. you know, and they can give you options that, that were closed off to you because you're in such a dark place that you couldn't see those options, you know. Well, and I think it's an interesting thing. You know, we need a basic thing of food and shelter before mm. we can, people go into survival mode. So what I, I talk about is four steps when we're helping people that are in a crisis. So honesty, number one, when someone mm-hmm. recognizes they need the help, then it's you're able to actually help them. But if they're denying it, then unfortunately, there's not much you can do. Secondly, is once they're honest with it, you can help and you can point them in the right direction. So for anyone listening to this, if you know that someone's turning up to your work and they might be displaying behavior that isn't consistent and you just don't know what's going on at home. And I think if you do want to reach out and someone says, I'm not okay, then Mm. it's not up to you to solve it for them. You can say, listen, are you happy to chat with me? Can I point you in the right direction? All sorts of opportunities. The next thing is hope. So once you been able to do that and her hand has reached out what you went through is hope you're like well like, mm. you know what there's a light here I don't know yes. what that says yet and the third thing is a healthy attitude or the fourth thing which is dealing with depression and mental illness isn't a choice but when you're when you're struggling for so long it's you don't know the pathway to get out of that and I'm talking to you listening now that you could be in a fantastic job but you've just lost your mojo and I mm. think the first thing is being honest with that that you can get help you can have hope and you can have a healthy attitude and very much that's been your story Nikki mm. oh look you've just encapsulated it perfectly and that was the I I guess the timeline for me to get out of that it was these people coming in and offering some more opportunities and advice without they certainly didn't solve my problems for me because fish and chips on a Saturday is great as a rare treat but that's not going to solve my life no it put me in a position where I, I I felt lighter you know, I wasn't so burdened. I knew that someone had my back. Some strange person from a, you know, an organisation wouldn't let me starve to death. You know, and that was that was knowing that you've got that support, and and then being just the lightening of the load by being honest and saying I need help is a big one. And you're right, unless you ask for help and you know you need help, you're not going to get that help. And yeah, just opening. I, I've explained it 
before as being if you're in a maze, you cannot see the way out. You just can't. But if you're someone else who's looking down at that person in the maze, you can quite easily see how to get out of there. Yes, you, know? you can navigate them through. So you have mm. to have someone that you can trust. And I don't know if I'm able to bring this up with your permission, but part of the whole journey is that this isn't just happened to you once, this uh, knockback, but you've had one partner that left before for their own reasons. Then you, after all your rebuilding of your life, you got, you know, you rented a, a place above a doctor's surgery, you fell in love again, and then you had a third beautiful child and you moved to the Blue Mountains. So life was on the up. But yep. I, I don't know whether you're able to give me permission, but I would like to bring in that again, you were hit with tragedy. And yeah, that's that's fine. That's part of my story. And I'm it's painful, but stories are painful and um, it helps to share them, I think. Yeah. And I think so what happened was, you know, Nikki decided to move to the Blue Mountains with this new love and she had her two boys and they were blessed with another child. But shortly after that, your partner committed suicide, leaving that's you right. in a whole mm-hmm. new town with three young sons and once again, no means of support. No. And that threw me into a devastating, you know, trench of postnatal depression. Um, it's giving me goosebumps listening to yeah. you right, right now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was, it was sort of like, oh, you know, kick me when I'm down. I know that sounds selfish at, you know, looking back at it like that, but it was just unbelievable that I was struggling to get through that then. And you, you couldn't help but feel like life has it in for you. And um, struggling out of that grief, but having a, a very new baby that needed me, I had to focus on my boys and getting them through it. And again, reaching out to people helped me through that. And family, family, you know, really came to the fore then. Yeah. But it was still a struggle, obviously, on top of the financial strain of finding myself in that situation. I was also dealing with grief and trying to navigate my way through that um, by myself, largely. Um and yeah, it, it was a it was a horrible ordeal, and I had to go through you know all that whole thing again, that um, devastating poverty thing. And I did end up briefly in a tent with um, my kids, um, you know, in inverted commas, having a little camping holiday. But really, it was to save up the bond um, on a new place. Uh, so while I chose to do it that way because I could save money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do know what that's like in that I did not have a, a proper roof over my head at that time. I was saving toward one, but all I had was a tent. Um, and, you know, that that's a, a, a terrible situation to be in. Although I very often with my boys tried to make a game out of it. I didn't want them to know how bad things were. I'm sure they did, but um, the so, old ones. And I think that's an interesting point because children are very – perceptive and it's 16 Mm. years on isn't it and you actually I think in a beautiful place you chose writing to give you an opportunity to share your story and give you the fortitude to move forward and the resilience so obviously there was some kind of inner strength that you're able to pull on and with all those people around you have you ever discussed this with your boys now now that everyone's older and and you look back on it well my eldest son is about to have his first child which is congratulations I know three or four weeks away and we've had long discussions because I've got to I'm in another relationship now and I have a 13 and 12 year old and we've had long discussions about how different their childhood is compared to the boys and they often make digs at the kids about oh you don't know how good you've got it and yeah it's it's a completely different growing up but I'm very very careful to make sure that my kids realize and are grateful for 
you know, everything that they have. And they've heard the stories of the past because <laughs> I'm probably that annoying mum that goes, oh, back in the day when your brother. Well, well I, think, I think that's a valuable thing is that sometimes parents won't share because they don't want their kids to go through what they've gone through. Mm. And, um, and that's important is that you're giving them perspective and you're not trying to shock them. You're just sharing no. your story. Well, sometimes when I talk about it, it, you know, they say, oh, cringy. We don't want to hear about it. It's, it sounds so horrible. And I said, but I think you need to just to put in perspective how good you've got it now. You know, they're not, you know, that they're not by any means, we're not super rich or anything like that, but we're very comfortable. Mm. And I guess I, I was doing a story like this on the radio not long ago and and my children said oh like we're super rich now are we we're not we're not we're still poor and I said yeah but we've got an ocean view it's like yeah. we're poor with an ocean view now and it's like no you know just because you can't have the next playstation because you just got one not long ago doesn't mean you're poor but so, um, and I think this is really important for those listening now thinking about where to put your money and we you know when we kicked off this call together I was like every day I probably get asked to get involved with some charity and I I really think giving back is important but giving back can be time giving back can be asking your neighbor if they're okay it can be sitting down without your iPhone and actually talking to your children at the end of the day and finding out how their day was genuinely yes. I mean giving back is engaging with people giving back is having empathy compassion and knowing that what I love about about the Vinnie's thing is you can donate and you know exactly where that money's going, whether it's a sleeping bag or a blanket or a hot meal or, and that's what I like about charities that are transparent is that you've got to choose something that resonates with you and community resonates with me and kindness is one of my biggest values. So if I know where I'm donating my time, a funny conversation I had with someone else the other day, they said, well, isn't it a bit of a posturing thing that you're going to sleep out for a night in a sleeping bag? (laughs) And I said, well, without awareness, um, non-for-profit organizations don't build momentum and that's all about awareness and empathy and getting the story out there so I thought it was really interesting there was such resistance to the fact that this Mm. is such a great opportunity to have a conversation and to meet different people and to come together for a cause which is in our very own backyard yeah well you know we were talking about you know how it can touch anyone some years back I was doing foster caring and what surprised me is we have this the stigma around kids who have been put in foster homes that they've come from terrible homes. What I didn't realise was that some of the kids that end up in foster care are put there by good parents who just literally haven't got a home at the moment. They're on the street and they just temporarily get their kids looked after while they get themselves back on their feet. And that was really shocking to me because the rate of homelessness and, the, you know, there's so much more homelessness that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. You know, we see, see people on the street and, you you know, you categorise them one way. But, you know, there are so many families who are living paying rent from week to week that they're only a paycheck away from being evicted, you mm-hmm. know. And, of course, you know, if you get evicted, it's very hard to get another place. And, I, you know, I think probably the statistics that talk about homelessness don't even touch the surface. There are There are many shades of homelessness, you know. And, and that's what's so beautiful. And I think, you know, obviously on these podcast episodes, we could talk for hours. I think your story is captivating. I know that you finished your law degree, um, yeah. but that writing has really been a sense of raison d'etre for you, a purpose, a passion that's giving you the ability to share your voice. And I think it's fantastic. But I did want to touch on one thing. Remember I said to you at the end of the podcast, I think it's always important that we give people tangible takeaways. We yep. don't just want to inspire. We, we want to say, here's three things you 
you can do immediately to make a difference for someone. So why don't you give three things that anyone listening to this anywhere in the world, because I think we're in 85 countries now with my funny accent, which always makes me laugh. What are three things from your perspective that people could do listening to this show in regards to not only the Vinnie's CEO sleep out, of course, you want their support for that, but just helping someone that probably doesn't know how to ask for it. Well, that's the thing. If you're going to wait until someone asks for help, if you know they need help, don't wait. But I think the main thing is you don't want to come across as judgmental or or embarrass them, which can happen. But what you have to do is let them know that you're a safe place. You know what I mean? That they can open up and what they tell you is between the two of you and that you're not in a place of making judgments. So I, I think just be present for them and let them know that you're available just to listen Mm -hmm. because just having someone to talk to is wonderful. I think in terms of charities, really, if you've got old clothes, you know, things like that, donate them because it really does make a difference. You know, you think, well, I throw this in the bin or will I donate it to a charity? Well, donate it to a charity. Yeah, and that's, that um, includes bedding and like yes. good quality things that you would well, take your for white goods that yeah, You know, exactly. when you update Kitchen white goods, yep. don't just throw them away or take them to the tip. If, if you've got workable anything because... I know I've had people go, oh, you just give it to Vinnie's and they make a profit and they get it for free. And you go, you know what? There are so many people who I've been given a washing machine by Vinnie's, you know, they many years ago, I didn't have one. I was hand washing when I was, you know, in a bad poor place. And I mentioned it to to someone, you know, in Vinnie's. I actually used to go into Vinnie's, my local Vinnie's quite often because I would buy all our kid clothes secondhand. And I mentioned something about the washing machine. And they said, you just have to ask. We've got, you know, we've got white goods. We can help you. And they delivered a washing machine to me. And um, so donate, definitely. Yeah. And at Christmas, Christmas appeals, even, you know, my kids' school, they take cans of food and yeah. non-perishable goods. Those sort of things end up in food parcels for people. I love that. And yeah, and I made some joke. I think it was on my blog. It's like, but just lay off the cans of corn. It's like <laughs> when, when I used to need to go, particularly around Christmas time, that the charities are really under a lot of stress at that time because that's when you need it most, really. And yes, I used to, I used to be given food parcels when I needed them, and they were just so there was so much cans of corn. I think because nobody wants that. I think those are really good points. You got don't wait, don't judge, and donate. So I've, yes, I've succincted yes. yours into those three little nuggets. And for, Love from it. <laughs> from my point of view, it would be like from anyone listening to this that wants to do something, just start somewhere, and it could just be go over there, donate your time and you don't have yes. to be a financially a big guru you just have to care and yeah. the second thing is do something that resonates with you so be genuine if you want to support a charity be willing to see it through you know mine's animal welfare and people welfare I have this thing called adopt a granny so I go to the the, the local old That's people's lovely. home and I take cups of tea because you can there's so much wealth of interesting stories and information and we need to build a community and the third thing is companies are the new community you know, so if you are working with people and you notice that they're turning up to work frazzled or they're stressed out, financial stress is the biggest cause of stress, worry, anxiety, and concern and depression. And yeah. depression. So, you know, track the signs, have a conversation, and you don't need to know how to fix it. You just have to help point someone in the right direction. So, and that's the thing, you don't have to be the solution, but you can just be there and be present for someone and help navigate them. So being aware is the first step and being a good a good human. Nikki, you've been a fantastic guest on my show. Show. I think I'm looking forward to seeing you at the sleep out in Melbourne on the 22nd of June, which is less than 
two weeks away now, so um, I better pack my sleeping bag in a beanie because I think I've opted for the wintry version. Oh, me too. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's going to be freezing. <laughs> I know. I think every, every night there are people out there on the streets, you know, in winter, oh. living like that. Exactly. Um, yes, um, and I think their soup van will be working that night too. I hope so too. So where can mm. people go and find you for more information about your story, Nikki? Well, if you Google me, I've got a blog. don't even know what it is. I think it's Nikki McWhorter's author blogspot. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah, get uh, that link and we'll pop it onto the show notes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so I've got a blog and, and, and that has got contact details and, and all that sort of thing. And I love hearing from people. So, And if you want to go on and find out more about how you can donate and support my Vinnie's CEO sleep out for helping those who are faced with poverty, then you can hop onto my show notes at vitalitycoach.com.au for the latest podcast episode. And I will be sharing all the links. I'll share Nikki's link as well and some information on how you can help as well as those top three tips on giving back and the simple way of being present for people. The other thing to note, guys, is this is a, a winter month for us here in Australia. For those of you going into summer for the Northern Hemisphere, you must be looking forward to it. But don't forget that charity starts at home. So put those iPhones down, have conversations with your kids, ask your neighbors, get to know people and start engaging in your community. That's where the greatest amount of support can come in. Nikki, thank you so much for being on the show. Congratulations on your international award as well for your writing. And I can't wait to share more of your story on the show notes for the Vitality Coach podcast. We'd love your review on iTunes. As always, I wish you a wonderful week ahead. Please stay healthy, wealthy, and wise. This is Nikki Fogden-Moore and you're listening to The Vitality Coach on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in. For all the show notes from this episode, tips, tools, and also my eBooks, hop online to www.thevitalitycoach.com.au. As always, health and happiness.